unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Thank you once again for being here. Coming up, my guest today will be Sam Albuquerque. He hosts the Left at Albuquerque podcast on the Nightline Sports Network, where I do the AAC report. Sam is going to join me on this particular podcast. He is standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a few moments. Well, heaven for 2020 is assembling a Hall of Fame pitching staff for the year. You know, we've lost Tom Seaver and Bob Gibson and now Yankee great Whitey Ford passing away at the age of 91. Whitey Ford, one of the great all-time pitchers, and not just in regular season, but postseason history, still holds the record for most strikeouts. He's number one, Bob Gibson number two, and just a tremendous, uh, what was it, 237 wins. Uh, And, of course, he was also very well known for his... uh, carousing and boozing with uh, Billy Martin and Mickey Mantle. <laughs> oh, but uh, uh, definitely a tough, tough year for uh, losing some of the all-time grapes in the the greats in the world of baseball and uh, Whitey Ford again passing away at the age of 91. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I am so happy for my Atlanta Braves in the National League Championship Series, sweeping out the Florida, I, I st- the Miami Marlins. I still call them the Florida Marlins, but the the Marlins for the first time in the playoffs. When they make the playoffs, usually win the World Series. Not going to happen this year. The Braves pitching staff, which was the big question mark going in, has been enormous. And the questions were more about the starting because the bullpen has been just locked down all year. But uh, getting the Starts for Max Fried and Ian Anderson. Kyle Wright now has stepped up in the first two series of the playoffs. And the team ERA is like 0.98. Now, that's going to be a little harder to do against the Dodgers. That's going to be a much bigger step up than the Reds and the Marlins. Now, my theory is that the Braves can do maybe three quarters as good. If the ERA is around three, I think the Braves' bats can match the Dodger bats. So we'll have to see what happens there. But uh, first time in the League Championship Series since 2001. Boy, it's been a long time. So thankful to... uh, I'm getting something good for one of my sports teams this year. Come heck or high water. And some disturbing news in college basketball. Greg Marshall, the Wichita State coach... Now facing allegations of uh, physical and mental abuse towards his players. So an investigation has been launched. And, you know, Wichita State's had a lot of transfers of late last, you know, couple of years. So, you know, he is a fiery coach, hard as nails type guy. And maybe his actions that probably would have been acceptable at another time are no longer acceptable now. So we'll have to see what happens where that, you know, I mentioned the AAC report. We'll definitely uh, cover that when I do that podcast next week. As we record on a Friday night from the Man Cave, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show my colleague from the Nightline Sports Network. He hosts the Left at Albuquerque podcast. He is Sam Albuquerque. Sam, thank you so much for uh, being here. Glad to have you on board. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. I, I appreciate you uh, you inviting me on. Uh, it's a pleasure to 
be on the Alliance Sports Network and uh, bring my podcast to to you know to the uh, to the platform. It's it's been awesome so far. So I'm uh, I'm really excited to see what, where it goes from here. Yes, and on behalf of the AAC Report, we welcome you. And uh, also, uh, now, you know, since I do my own podcast outside of that, and, uh, you know, like you, I've worked my name into the podcast, but yours is way more clever. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's just, uh, I, I pulled it from, from you know, my, my childhood. Uh, my name is always something that was a, a little, you know, weirder than everybody else's. Uh, I'm, I'm Brazilian, I don't know if you know this, so it's, it's a little bit more common in Brazil than it is. Uh, here in the states, and, and the only connection a lot of people have with it is the city in New Mexico, and especially after uh, Breaking Bad. But as a kid, the only time I heard the name Albuquerque, other than the city, was the uh, Looney Tunes cartoons. When when Bugs Bunny would always say, "I should have taken a left at Albuquerque," that's why we ended up lost or wherever he was. So that that really stuck in my head. And when I was uh, brainstorming names for this podcast, uh, that's one of the cool uh, the cool things I, I found. So I, I stuck with it, pulled some of the Looney Tunes audio for my for my intro, and uh, I think it worked so far. So I'm 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 happy about it. Good stuff. And uh, all right, so let's uh, talk some sports. Uh, first of all, the NFL they've uh, reached the quarter pole of the season. Does anything stand out to you at this point of the season so far? Yeah, I mean it's. There's a couple ways you can go about it. Obviously, there's a lot of COVID-related stuff, but that's not as not as fun to talk about. So let's not talk about that. Um, it's really the the juxtaposition of quarterbacks, um, specifically Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. Um, I, I I love Formula One, and I've, I've really gotten into it in my you know in, in the recent months uh, when COVID went through. And one of the big things in Formula One is like you could have a really good driver, but if your car sucks, it doesn't really matter. And that's and that's sort of the way I look at quarterbacks in their situation. So if you look at Patrick Mahomes, he's, he's like a guy like Lewis Hamilton. He's the best driver in the world, and he's, he's playing for Mercedes, which is the best car in the world. And, and that's what Patrick Mahomes gets to do every day when he walks into work in Kansas City, when Andy Reid is drawing up plays the way he is, when Cheetah's catching those balls and, and taking them to the house, and Travis Kelsey's dicing them up down the seam. You know, you got Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who's one of the best running backs already in the NFL. It's not fair. He's, he's Lewis Hamilton driving with Mercedes. And then I go to the other side of the, the country, and I see Russell Wilson, and He's just as good as, as, as Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion. Like, they do different things well. Like, I think Patrick just has a better talent. He can, he can throw the ball and put it exactly where he wants. But Russell Wilson is one of the most crafty quarterbacks there is in the NFL. Probably throws the deep ball a lot smoother than Patrick, in my opinion, but depends on who you ask. But he's not, he's not playing for Mercedes. He's not driving that Mercedes car. He's driving, you know, like, like a Williams. Not, not necessarily a Williams, because that's... That's like the, the bottom of the heat. That would be like the Jacksonville Jaguars. But he's driving like a racing point, like a middle team uh, who's, who's, who's pretty good. They have some pieces, but they're not Mercedes. And it's so weird because I, I, I always like to switch things when I think about quarterbacks. So I think about anything. Like what would happen if I put one in a different situation? And right now, that to me is the most interesting storyline. It's seeing Russell Wilson being able to like just chuck the ball around the field like he's, he's been doing for the what well, seems like the first time in his career. But, but thinking about what he, what would he look like if Andy Reid was designing plays for him and not Brian Schottenheimer. So that's that to me is, is, is the most fun experiment I've had watching these games in the past you know, you know four or five weeks now. Yeah, and of course you you look at a guy like Dak Prescott. He's a good quarterback, but he's driving a Rambler. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, especially now that Tyron Smith is out for the season, that, that Cowboy offensive line is not what we used to think it was. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, uh, of course, talking about Kansas City, you know, I, I think they probably look like the best team in a while to look like they can repeat. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's that's a legitimate conversation. Obviously, when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, there's a reason you pay him half a billion dollars to be a quarterback for eternity, or at least what seems like eternity. Um, what's really interesting about that team is the defense. It's not particularly any good. Like, you can't really look at the entirety of the defense and say, this by itself is good. It's not. But it's designed to play with a lead. If you look at the, at the playmakers they have, they have a guy on the inside and, and Chris Jones who can, who can penetrate, you know, the middle of the offensive line and get to the quarterback. You have the guy on the edge and Frank Clark who can get to the quarterback off the edge and he's bendy and he can get around tackles and he's, he's quick off the line. And then you look at Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, and he just makes plays any, any anywhere you put him. He's like a he's like a he's like a, a joker. You put him anywhere on the field, he's going to make plays. And that's sort of the the identity of that defense is thinking like, okay, they're always going to have a lead because Patrick is just that good. That you're going to score points, especially with Andy Reid, like I mentioned earlier. And that defense is always going to have the liberty to just go out and create chaos, not necessarily play well. Like they're going to commit guys, you know, in the blitz. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo, that we know from from all the way back in his. Uh, his Giants days has really shifted his identity a little bit. From what I remember him with the Giants when they won those Super Bowl, it was rush four and, and defend with everybody else in the back end. That's the only way you beat Brady, right? You, you rush four and get pressure with those four and then put as many guys in coverage as possible. He hasn't really been doing that with Kansas City. He's been sending more bodies. He's been putting Honey, honey Badger in, in creative positions. So it's really – it's it, if that defense has a lead, it's going to affect – you know, uh, most teams, I saw it with my Baltimore Ravens, as soon as they went up and they got to send pressure all day and, and they were getting and, and, and making Lamar uncomfortable, it, it just, it, it proves, it reiterates the point that this team can, can put points up on anybody and, and affect offenses when they have that lead. So I, I really, I, I agree with you. They really look like the probably the best team in a while uh, to, to go in there and repeat. Yeah. And of course, now I think the, the biggest question going around the NFL is, Tom Brady, do you know what down it is? <laughs> I, I I don't think he does. <laughs> I mean, what the heck was that last night? That was uh, that, you know, that's a that's a rookie mistake, <laughs> you know. And yeah, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was done. Yeah, no, I mean, you're you're right about that. I, uh, I I must admit, I did not actually watch the game last night. It was, it was my girlfriend's birthday, so I was I was out at her house, uh, just just hanging out. Um, even if even if I if I wasn't there. I think I would have watched it because I, like I mentioned to you earlier, I've been having to cover the morning shifts at the radio station this week because our, our main morning show producer is out, uh, I think, on vacation. So I've been waking up at 4 a.m. every day for the past, you know, three days. So it's, it's been a little a little weird for me, but I, I obviously I caught the, the highlights afterwards and I, I've seen the, the play. It's something that, like, you look at the play and he really, he, he took a chance like you would on third down to get a chunk of, a chunk of yards. So it really does make you question if he... Didn't know which down it was, and it's not like the Bears are bad, especially on defense. They're pretty solid defense. So to, to see the the Buccaneers struggle to, you know, they put up 19 points in that game is not too out of sorts. But but the question I really have, and you've been seeing it play out in the media, is do you think Tom is starting to regret the decision to go play for Bruce, Bruce Arians? Because a couple of comments Bruce has made in the uh, 
and, and the media has really proven uh, has really proven to be different than what he's used to in New England. Uh, you know, saying Andrew Luck is the perfect quarterback. Bruce Arians came out a couple days and said that he, uh, he 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 criticized Tom a little bit. And you know, this is another opportunity where you can maybe see something a little bit later this week where where Bruce you know comes out and says something negative about Tom again. And and if that happens, how is Brady going to take that? And and so far he's been able to hold it in and and, and make that offense look pretty good so far. But it's, uh, it's interesting what's happening over there on uh, in, in cow country. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, th- I, f- I found it interesting because I know Bucks fans were losing their minds because they got uh, Brady and Gronk. And, you know, and, and I know people have been trying to throw dirt on Tom Brady for like the what, last four or five years. They're, oh, he, he's done. He's done. So I would I would never always, I always hesitate to come out and say he's done. But, you know, he is 43. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's going to be done eventually. His his arm isn't what it used to be, but it's not it's not Drew Brees. It's 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 not what we've been seeing Drew Brees for you know the past couple seasons toward the end of the season and the beginning of this year. Um, but it's you know it's it doesn't have the same zip, but he can he can drive it down. Um, what really scares me when you when you think about the the system he's in is how deep the 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 plays progress. Like he goes into his, his third and fourth progression. These are you know five step dropbacks late developing plays that's going to put his body at risk and that offensive line had a, have, has a couple good pieces but specifically at, at Donovan Smith kind of worries me at left tackle and I, and I think you know Brady might might end up regretting the decision based solely on the fact that he'll probably get hit more than, than he, he ever has his career. Mm. Well, let's uh, talk about, uh, you know, we've had a lot of quarterbacks uh, change places this year. Um, is there any one that particularly stands out to you other than Brady or anything that surprises you? Yeah, I mean, I, I really, I'm really surprised about Cam um, in, in his first, you know, two or three games with the Patriots. Um, I just didn't think they would go full, like, full wildcat, you know, spread running quarterback sort of offense. Like, I, obviously, Josh McDaniels, has done that in the past with Tim Tebow. Like, he drafted Tebow in the first round, so it's not like he's adverse to, to running quarterbacks. I just thought Cam had been so banged up in his career that he wouldn't sign on to a team that was willing to, to use him in such a run-heavy way like the Patriots are. So it, it, it kind of it kind of threw me for a curveball, but it's been working. It's, it's, it's been effective in the, two, in the two games, or I guess the one game that he lost as a starter against Seattle, they, they looked pretty good. And so I just I think it's going to be interesting to see you know if the Bills are for real. Like obviously they have the better record right now, and Josh Allen looks like the MVP. But can can that relationship and and can Cam hold up? Like obviously he had COVID, so it's it's a different kind of conversation as far as as missing games. But can his body hold up physically to the toll that it's going to take? But he runs the ball 15, 15 times a, a game. But like he's looked phenomenal. He's looked really good, especially in that, that Seattle game when they had to, to play from behind and not control the ball and, and not just run 15 times with Cam and, and 30 with Rex Burkhead and Sony Michelle and Damian Harris and all those guys. But when they had to chuck the ball, him and Julian Edelman look like they're having a real connection, especially early on. So um, we'll see We'll see what happens there. We'll see if a guy like Nikhil Harry can really step up and be a, a number one outside receiver. Um, but Cam's looked really good so far, and I'm excited to see when he gets back from, from this COVID diagnostics. I don't know how long he's going to be out or, or how this you know whole COVID like recovery works. Um, but uh, I've been I've been really excited to see what, what Bill Belichick and, and Josh McDaniels have been doing with with Cam. And I predicted they would win the uh, division. I may be wrong because Buffalo just looks so good right now. 
I, I wasn't wrong of, uh, about the reason why I thought they would win the division, and that's because Bill Belichick was going to put Cam in the best position to win, and I just assumed that it would have been throwing the ball a little bit more and not running as much as, as, as he has so far. Yeah, and I guess uh, with the uh, Broncos and Patriots uh, ending up moving to uh, Monday night, it looks like Cam actually will have a chance to uh, to make that particular uh, contest. So uh, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, and our defense is as putrid as it gets. And the only thing, good <laughs> thing, right now, Jeff. It's not the, yeah, and the only thing I got going for him is the rest of the division stinks out loud. Six and ten could win yeah. this thing. <laughs> it, it might end up winning it. Uh, the, the Eagles right now are one, two, and one. And they're, uh, they haven't looked any any good. So I'm actually, I've been more impressed with the Washington football team who, who have been able to overcome a not great showing at quarterback with uh, Dwayne Haskins, who ended up uh, being benched, I think, this week for, for Kyle Allen. Uh, but for the Cowboys, it just, you're right. Like, your you're big money guys haven't been showing up, and you haven't really had a, a sort of a breakout player on that side. Jalen Smith looks, looks not like the Jalen Smith that the Cowboys paid. And Demarcus Lawrence, you know, Obviously, he's always banged up at teams, but he's he's not living up to what is it, nineteen million a year that he's getting paid. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have have liked the production so far from Alden Smith, but you know he's he's not your main guy, and Alden Smith hasn't been in the league for like three years at this point. Um, but it's 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 just the, the guys you're paying aren't performing like they should be, and that's Demarcus Lawrence, that's Jalen Smith. Obviously, Van Der Esch has been banged up, and I think I'm not sure if Sean Lee is, is out for the season, but I know he's been out early on this year and your safeties have just been terrible like flat out your safeties have been really bad and i didn't think i didn't think it was going to be this bad early on and and you really kind of want to consider earl thomas i don't know what he does he does in the locker room i know what he did in baltimore's locker room and there was a reason why that that team kicked him out um so you have some worries there but as far as talent like how much are you really going to lose if, if Earl, Earl Thomas is punching people but still making interceptions? <laughs> yeah, uh, the, you know, at this point, it doesn't hurt to try something, uh, you know. And 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 they're they're banged up in the secondary too. You know, they got young guys playing. Diggs is going to be really good, but he's a rookie and he's got to learn his way. But you can tell he's going to be very good down down the line. Uh, that's that's for sure. So let's uh, switch over to college football, and I guess the game of the week this week is we're going to find out if the U is really back. As they uh, <laughs> as they take on Clemson, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I've I've come around. I've been one of the few people, I guess, that has uh, besmirched the good name of Trevor Lawrence. Um, so I'm starting to eat crow on that. The more and more I watch this kid, I just didn't see it early on. Like I was a big Tua supporter, so I was pretty uh, I was pretty blinded in saying that Tua would be a better pro than Trevor Lawrence. But the more and more I watch this kid, the stronger he gets, the more mature he gets. It just makes me feel like. I've, I'm going to eat crow on it, so I'm starting to I'm starting to pivot before he gets in the NFL. Um, but as far as that game, Miami looks good. Like uh, I, I I would be interested to see what what they would look like if Greg Rousseau was there. I'm I'm, I'm the way I I don't know if I if you've heard uh, me say this on the on my podcast before or if uh, if you've if heard me say this anywhere. But I'm huge on uh, watching college football for prospects. Like I don't necessarily unless it's UCF, I don't watch for the actual product on the field i watch for what i think guys are going to do at the next level mm-hmm. and greg rousseau has I, I never watched i didn't watch much miami last year but from all the guys that i listed the todd mcshay's the daniel jeremiah's the you know mel kuyper's those guys have have pointed that, that greg rousseau is one of these 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 next level interior pass rushers so I, I went back and watched some of him and and he's been he's really exciting and i, I would have loved to see him 
on this Miami team that's that's finally got a quarterback. I was I was listening to uh, Matt Liner on uh, the Ryan Rosillo podcast earlier today, and he made the point like Derek King is probably the best quarterback Miami's had since who? Since Ken Dorsey, probably. Yeah. Like you look. You, yeah, you're talking about guys like Brad Kaya who are okay, but like never really performed to, to the level people thought. Like, obviously, Jaron Williams isn't even, you know, was a freshman starter last year. Tate Martell has been a bust as a transfer. Like, I can't think of quarterbacks earlier than Brad Kaya. That's that's how bad the quarterbacks have been. I have to go all the way back to Ken Dorsey. Um, so, it's he's really exciting. We got to see him in the AAC for a little while. It's a shame that he's not there anymore. But he's, he's really good. But I just, you know, Clemson's got five stars at every position and their backup positions. And Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, you know, and uh, I think it's Justin Ross is the other receiver there. Um, they're, they're, you know, they just have too much firepower and they can score with anybody and they can stop anybody. And they, they, early on, they look like the best team in the country. We'll see if that carries over. Um, I, I, I'm just I'm just interested to see how Miami does as far as just being competitive in the game because I don't expect them to go in there and beat, you know, uh, Clemson or, or I, I don't know where the game is specifically, but. I, I, you know, hopefully they can cover the spread and then really see how how they the rest of their season stacks up. Yeah, that's right. Actually, the game is at Clemson, so that would be uh, that makes it a little bit taller of an order as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so let's uh, let's talk about UCF. You brought it up the debacle against uh, Tulsa. <laughs> what in the heck is going on? Ah, <laughs> uh, it's this hurts because <laughs> last week was the was the first week I actually talked to UCF um, on the podcast. So it's your fault? Uh, mainly, like I mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah, it, might, it might be my fault. I, I felt good about Dylan Gabriel's first two games. Uh, I'm a huge Dylan Gabriel guy. I love the way he throws the football. And uh, I just I don't want to bash my team. And it's a, I'm a little raw about it so far. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stay you know stay at a very simple point, and that is I've been I've learned throughout my entire life watching football that penalties and, and, and pre-snap penalties particularly are usually a sign of an undisciplined football team mm-hmm. and if the team is undisciplined that's the coach's fault mm-hmm. and Heupel has had a history of, of having undisciplined teams when it comes to penalties and 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 that's one of the first things I look at when it comes to this team it's like okay this is that the, the amount of penalties we gave up is Heupel's fault you can't blame a, you know a freshman center uh, for 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 false starting as many, uh, you know as many times as he did, like he's 19 years old, he's he's a, he's a kid, he's a child. You can't you can't blame him for for being put in a position like that. You blame the people who are putting him in the position like that. And 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 the answer is Josh Heifel for not recruiting properly. Obviously, Jordan Johnson, uh, uh, the third was was a you know a starter for what two three years at center uh, four. Yeah. before uh, yeah. uh, this kid is yeah yeah. So it's it's you have to have a better plan when you're when you're when you're coming out. Of, of, a, of a four-year starter like that. So I blame Heupel for, for the for the penalties, and I think it's fair to blame him for the penalties. I don't know if I've gotten to the point where, you know, I think we should fire Heupel, but there is there is a sort of an element to this. Like, we've lost some of the guys uh, from the Scott Frost era. Um, you look at this, especially at the defense, like, you're talking about Antoine Collier is probably one of the only guys. Um, I, I, I forgot who, uh, Richie Grant, Richie Grant yeah. is probably another one of those guys. I mean, yeah, me and uh, me and Andrew were talking about this last week, and it's it's starting to to be Heupel's program, and Heupel's program so far hasn't been what Frost's program was in those two years. So you, you really start to wonder if if Heupel's a B plus coach and not an A plus coach, and 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 I I have questions about that. And as as far as as far as Tulsa specifically, I don't know what's up with that team, man. 
I don't know what's up with that team. Like, I don't know why we can't beat them. I don't know why we give up leads. I don't know what's happening with Tulsa, and I'm still a little upset about it. And and I and the final part is Dylan look, didn't look great. And again, I, I blame Hypo for not getting creative offensively. Um, but it, it's the fact that Dylan Gabriel, he's 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 a big time college football player, and he he probably has aspirations to play on the next level. And he's the face of this program right now. There, there isn't another face, and you know the Gabe Davises aren't there. Like the the, the leadership guys aren't there. It's really it's, it's Dylan's time to take the program by the horns and, and be the leader that Mackenzie was, be the leader that Gabriel Davis was, be the leader that you know Shaquem Griffin was before that. And and right now, and, and even going back to like guys like Terrence Plummer, who who were who was like the heart of that defense when I was there. At, at UCF uh, in my undergraduate years. So I'm, I, this team doesn't really have that leader and as the quarterback, and I, I get it, he's the Hawaiian cool dude, but, like, you have to be that guy if you're the quarterback because Kenzie was that guy. To a certain extent, Blake was, even though he didn't need to be as much because George O'Leary really, it was the leadership of that program. Um, but it's, it's, it makes me question a lot of, about the, the, you know, the coaching staff and then the things that they're doing to establish the culture. And it starts, it feels like it's starting to seep away. Yeah. And that's scary for me because you can have all the talent you want, you can have all the speed you want, but if you don't have that that culture that really sets into what UCF football is, and that's, you know, the, these underdogs who, who are fast and, and are aggressive and, and, and we go forward on fourth and, and we do what we can to, to scrape away victory and always look like we're the underdogs, even though we carry ourselves like big dogs. That sort of feels like it's starting to go away. Maybe some complacency is starting to set in, and you really got to look at Josh Heupel. And and if this continues, you got to move that buck and, and get to a uh, get to Danny White and, and see if he's going to let it keep going. Um, um, as of now, it hasn't gotten to Danny. It's it's still in Josh's hands. We'll see if he can react. Yeah, and you know, and it's very interesting because I brought this up on the uh, Nightline at Night on uh, on WDBO on Tuesday night. Is I was asking the question, where are the leaders on this team? Because uh, you know, I don't, I haven't seen the vocal leadership step up uh, to this point of the season. And I also go back to you know, with the undisciplined play, when you're always playing behind the change, you're not going to be successful. And I, I and, and the big thing is we have they haven't played fast. They you know they they they've been bogged down. They're not playing fast, and I think they're they're out of sorts when they can't snap the ball in two seconds. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's that's a good point. I think that goes back to, to what you mentioned about playing behind the sticks, but also the, the undisciplined nature of, of getting penalties. When you rack up penalties every single drive, you're not going to get into a rhythm because, you know, you, you go you go three yards forward and you try to snap fast and you fall start and you have to take five yards back. It's it's a constant self-fulfilling prophecy of not being able to get in rhythm. And and that, again, goes back to, to Josh Heupel and, and not – you know, building a, a disciplined football team. Yeah, and I'm with you. I think it's uh, too early to uh, to wade the flag on firing the coach, uh, but uh, you know, it's certainly our right to be critical if uh, if you know we see things that we don't think are up to snuff. That is uh, for sure. So let's switch over to the NBA. What have you made of the world of the National Basketball Association since the Orlando is the epicenter of the universe in the bubble? What what have you, have you made of the finishing of the regular season and the full playoffs in the bubble? Yeah, so for the full bubble experience, I actually got a chance to talk to Keith Smith uh, from Yahoo Sports on my podcast. Uh, I think it was it was the episode. I think it was my my first exclusive only on Nightline uh, uh, episode. I don't actually remember where it lined up, but it's definitely on the network, so you can check it out. Um, Keith Smith was actually the person who first made the idea public. You, uh, he 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 says that the NBA 
had internal conversations about it beforehand, but he, he's the one that suggested it in the public sphere uh, to have the NBA bubble idea. So first of all, shout out to Keith Smith. He's, he's a real one. I love Keith Smith. Follow him on Twitter, Keith Smith NBA. Really good dude. He, he's one of the best, most plugged-in guys in the NBA. Um, so it was really interesting to get his perspective about how it all how, how it all started and how it made sense. And actually applying this, I never thought it would work, to be honest. Not that the bubble wouldn't work. I just thought the players would get restless. I, I thought early on, the, the teams who didn't think they had a chance to, to get to a title, those 18s, those 17s, especially the teams before the bubble really ended, I, I didn't think it would it would work because just those guys would would not be as locked in and focused into uh into the playoff run and and credit to them and credit to the to, to the facilities that the NBA has made to to make it a livable situation for those guys for that long of a time um, where you only saw a couple incidents of and, and a lot of those times it felt like mistakes um, so it's it's really interesting to see how how driven these guys really are and we can criticize them from the outside. Uh, but we actually get a chance to, to see something like this play out. We know that they have to be at this point to just stay in this facility for so long. Um, it was really impressive, and, and, and shout out to the NBA for for making it happen. Because uh, to be honest, it's been it's been great to watch. This, these playoffs have been one of the more fun playoffs in, in recent history because of the uncertainty, because of this added element of you didn't know what was going to happen, and that leads to uh, to my Los Angeles Lakers. And I'm very happy. I'm very happy. We look great. We're up 3-1. We're recording this on Friday before tip-off. And I think we're going to clinch. I'm actually planning on recording uh, my podcast tomorrow morning with, with my other Laker fan, uh, friend, uh, my Laker, uh, my other friend who's a Laker fan, uh, Lewis Artisan. So uh, I'm hoping that it can be a podcast where we're reacting to the first Laker championship in a decade. Uh, and, and that's what I expect to happen. Um, Anthony Davis is just is – just, Dominant, like Le- LeBron is great, but you can see what Anthony Davis does when he anchors that defense and he he rebounds the, the basketball. And obviously, he had some struggles rebounding early on in the uh, in the Denver series, but he's been dominant so far in this series. And they don't really have an answer for him. They don't have enough bodies to throw at at, at a guy like Anthony Davis. When like obviously, I love Bam, and I think Bam Adebayo is one of these guys who who can probably hurt Anthony Davis offensively. Uh, Bam can only play a certain amount of amount of time, especially with that sh- that shoulder injury that he he got earlier in the series. When you're trotting out Kelly Olynyk and and Myers Leonard to guard Anthony Davis, it's not going to be pretty. No, <laughs> and, no. and that's sort of been been the answer. And, and I know Miami's banged up, but I think this series would have gone six if Miami was fully healthy. So um, I'm pretty happy about it. Uh, LeBron's look like LeBron, and, and for my in, in in my opinion, I think Anthony Davis is the most important player on this team. Even though I love LeBron. The difference when when AD is on the floor and then the difference when when AD is not on the floor is drastic. And, and and looking at the series as a whole, it really it really makes basketball like the most simple thing in the world when you really break it down. It's like LeBron and Anthony Davis are the two best players on the court. They're going to win. I think Spolstra is the better coach. He came up with a system early on that would that that should have worked on paper. He adjusted when it didn't. They have more better players when you look from one to, to fifteen on the on the roster. They have fifteen better players than the Lakers do. Like the Lakers don't really have that many good players, like other than LeBron. Like KCP's been really good this series and playoff Rondo has been a thing again. Um but it's it it really just comes down to they have the two best players and LeBron and A D have, have have proven it. Every single game, they've been the two best players on the court, and basketball really is that simple sometimes. And 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 the the fun is not necessarily figuring out strategies or seeing something creative. The fun is just seeing the best athletes in the world do their thing. And I really do think basketball players are the best athletes of all the four major sports in the world. 
So it's it's been great to watch so far. Yeah, although you probably are okay with it, but I, I would say this, though. It is a bit of a shame that uh, the Heat are a bit shorthanded on star power because uh, I think that would have made a, a pretty interesting series. Yeah, I think Goron uh, would have added more more offense, um, but honestly, I don't think it would have gone past six. Like that was my prediction early on. Um, I thought Bam would be more of a factor on Anthony Davis, even though he's he's been their best you know defender on him. Um, but it really hasn't. It really shows how great Anthony Davis is. Um, it would have been more fun, I think, to, to stretch the series out. Uh, but I really do think that the Lakers get it done tonight. Yeah, and of course, you said you love LeBron. My, if, I have one issue with LeBron. I mean, he's a great player, and oh. by 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 every stretch of the imagination, I I think the one thing that kind of bothers me though is that he is so starved for the adulation and the acknowledgement that I think he takes steps backwards when he when he bitches and moans about it. <laughs> uh, so so first off, I, I, I don't think I've ever said I love LeBron necessarily. I love that LeBron is a Laker, and I love him in a Laker uniform. I've had plenty of gripe with LeBron throughout his career, and now since he's my guy because he's, he's on my team, uh, I have to stick up for him a little bit. Um, but I don't necessarily love LeBron the player, and I, I almost agree with with your your point about how he 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 continues to to try to to garner that you know that acceptance as as the greatest player of this generation. Also, I think he kind of has a point. Like he feels like he he's felt multiple times that he should have won MVP, specifically that Derrick Rose year. And he, 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 if you look at the numbers, if you look at those teams, he probably should have. And he's been the best player in the league for you know. 15 of the 17 years he's been in the league, and, and he hasn't been treated like that at certain times. And we constantly try to crown other people, you know, Steph Curry and Kawhi Leonard being the two most recent ones, and even Kevin Durant at a certain point. But undoubtedly, he's been that best player for 17 years. And, and when the media and, and when other people go out and say that, if you're a guy who, who, who thinks of himself like LeBron does, and I imagine Michael Jordan thought of himself like that, and, and Magic Johnson as well, he, he when you see people tell tell you know uh, say it out out loud and, and say that other players are better, you you're gonna take it personally. And LeBron's just actually a really effective communicator. If you look at at the, at the things that he's been able to put out there when it comes to controlling his narrative and, and his media companies and stuff like that, he's really good at putting his specific message. And when when you think you're slighted and you put that out there, it can't come off like that. I, I don't think he's necessarily the best player of all time, and I've had issues with with how he's gone about his career, especially the move away from Miami back to Cleveland. I thought he was prioritizing power over winning, um, which you know if that's what he thought was best for his career, that's cool. Um, but I still think that he would have won more if he stayed in Miami. Um, but it's it's worked out for him so far. He won a championship in Cleveland. He's about to win his fourth here, and you know I, I can't really knock him because he's been the best player in the league for this generation, and then probably goes down in my book as the second best player of all time. Yeah, and you know, and that's probably one of those things. You know, if if if, uh, if Jordan wasn't happy about how he's per- perceived, he really didn't say anything about it and just went out and 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 you know stuck his foot on the throat a little bit harder on people uh with lebron yeah but jordan jordan felt slighted too and, and I, I i think you're right about that my 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 knock or my 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 uh my return to that would be i think lebron's just a more effective communicator than jordan was and and I, are we really gonna knock a guy for just being able to articulate his feelings better yeah. and i think that's that's the difference yeah and i think that's also you know an indication of the times because you look at the 24 7 news cycle and the social media and and people are quote unquote controlling their brand i think it is a, a, def, a definitely yeah. different stage in that as far as that regard goes yeah no i, I completely agree and lebron's been at the 
forefront of that with, you know, uninterrupted, um, with, with how he communicates with the media. I think he's been very deliberate about controlling the narrative because you see stuff like this happening. Derrick Rose winning MVPs. And I think, I think LeBron is like, why is Derrick Rose winning the MVP? And probably his team specifically Matt Carter, who's his, you know, people person, is telling, well, like, they built a narrative around Derrick Rose. And, and I think they, I think one thing you can credit LeBron throughout his career is when there's something that he needs to fix other than his free throws, he goes and fixes it. And then that's sort of what I think this overcorrection um, of the narrative when it comes to, you know, like saying, like, like, like the uninterrupted, like, you know, having a gripe when it comes to MVP. Like, I think he just had some real, like some real media teaching moments that he's learned from and, and, and try to try to get better at it. And it, it's worked for his career because it's made him like a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and to some extent, he maybe haven't, hasn't totally ever 100% recovered from, I'm taking my talents too. So that, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be another example of, of, of a learning moment yeah. uh, in communications. Like, yeah. I think he really thought that was a good idea. And once it backfired that much on him, and on paper, it kind of felt like a good idea. Ratings-wise, it was a great idea. But it's just you don't want to do that to, to your your you know your high school sweetheart on 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 national television. <laughs> like that's probably not a good look. And most people would sympathize with the the, the, the place you're leaving and 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 the victim or, or per se in, in that conversation, yeah. um, as opposed to to the millionaire athlete who's who's moving to Miami. Yeah. Uh, all right. Before I let you go, so uh, I know you're not a baseball guy. But mm-hmm. is anything from this truncated speed season with the different gimmicks that they've had to utilize, has that done anything for you at all? Ryan, like, I, I, I'm a big Ryan Russillo guy. I love his podcast, love his, love his stuff. I, I, I liked him when he was on radio on ESPN. And he always, he always points out to if, if, if the, the product, you're not, if you're not watching the product, why, why do you think less of it's going to make you watch it more? And that was always the conversation around baseball. It's like, oh, you have to lessen the games. You have to make it make the game shorter. You have to make it faster. The fact is, I just don't like baseball. Mm-hmm. So you could do whatever you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. I'm probably just not going to enjoy it as much. Like, there's some gimmicks you could throw in that I think are interesting that might capture my attention for like you know a couple of games. Like if you like, Stugatz has a great idea about uh, you know like being able to put your best hitter out there uh, a couple different times, like sort of like a wild card. Like if you have, you know, uh, Aaron judge batting third and you have a wild card, like, Hey, put him to bat ninth in, in, the, in the seventh inning when you're down or run or stuff like that. Like that's interesting. And that adds some other elements, but I really don't think it, it, it'll move the needle for me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad baseball got over the early COVID scares with the Marlins and the Cardinals and, because there are a lot of people who love baseball. And I will say baseball fans are to me, the, one of the most, passionate fans in the world because you have to really love it to sit through an entire baseball game like i like i give credit to people who, who, who sit through entire baseball games and and so it's 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 something i respect but it's just and, and going out to a ball game is fun when you go to with a group of friends but the times i've done it the times i've had the most fun are when i'm not really watching the game and the conversation is is, is good around me so uh not not really anything that that i could take away other than just good job getting through the season to this point yeah you know hey look and i'm and i'm with you on one thing i mean i I love baseball but uh there there are there are games i watch it's just painfully dreadful (laughs) and you're just like oh god god (laughs) please (laughs) do something um all right so uh let's uh, do the shameless plugs please uh talk about your podcast uh, and where people can follow you on social media yeah for sure um you can follow me at sam b albuquerque uh 
Albuquerque spelled like the city in New Mexico. Um, my podcast is the Take the Left at Albuquerque podcast. Uh, if you're listening on Apple, you have to listen to it under the uh, Nightline Sports Network, uh, where where you get all the you know the AAC report, the Nightline, Nightline at Night. You can check it out there. Uh, we usually drop on Fridays, but since the Laker game is coming down tonight, I want to react to it tomorrow, so I'm going to record it tomorrow and probably uh, drop it tomorrow. Um, as far as if you listen on Spotify, it has its own feed. Take a left at Albuquerque. Um, personally, myself, I'm not really doing much uh, other than the podcast and my regular job. If you want to listen to some new stuff, I'm, I'm one of the producers on WBO 107.3 FM, and I'll occasionally be on live local loud on that show from 7 to 9, uh, Monday through Friday. Um, but other than that, just the podcast. Check it out. Follow me on Twitter, at Sambi Albuquerque. All right, Sam. Well, this, hey, this is a lot of fun, and we will definitely do it again sometime. Thanks so much for your time this evening. For sure, Jeff. Thank you, man. I appreciate you uh, having me on. And when we come back, instead of doing a TV theme like we normally do this week, I'm going to put out a tribute to Eddie Van Halen. That's coming up right after this. No Republicans, no Democrats, no team from Washington, no team with a star on the side of their head. We don't even talk about alpha and beta storms around here. And if you believe all of that, I have a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. Captain and Company in the morning, join me 9 to noon. Weekday mornings on OldSchool101.com, because class is always in session around here, virus or no virus. Yeah, we lost one of the great all-time rock and rollers, Eddie Van Halen, passing away at the age of 65 due to cancer. Van Halen, one of my all-time favorite bands. That is definitely for sure. That's one of my all-time favorite songs, too, Dance the Night Away. Uh, Boy, just a tremendous, tremendous uh, man with six strings. And also keyboards. Don't forget that. And uh, he and his brother and Michael Anthony, David Lee Roth, cranking out the hits of Van Halen. And... You know, everybody says, well, I like the David Lee Roth Van Halen better than the Sammy Hagar Van Halen. I like both of them equally. They were both, had still had some of that synergy because of Eddie Van Halen's talent. So they had that style, but they were both uniquely different as well. Uniquely different. (laughs) Uh, I liked both versions of that as well. We don't count the third version, but... uh, Eddie Van Halen, uh, just a, uh, an amazing, you know, didn't, you know, read music, but man, he could play. Oh, goodness gracious. Now, I will say one thing, though. I was always mad at him for one thing and one thing only. He took Valerie Bertinelli away from me because <laughs> I had such a chance with her back in the day. <laughs> All right, we'll go have a little Panama. Rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. 
Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.